0: Sims the freshman. Sims had to hustle it, and he's got it to give. He nice. handles in. Oh man, give touchdown! And now going for the end zone and caught for the touchdown by Zay Flowers. Hokies double pressure. out of it. Now he's got to
1: get rid of it. Has a receiver open to the end zone and a touchdown. Into the boundary, Fitzpatrick Patrick
0: it, and it is intercepted. Divine Diablo
1: comes away with the Carol, and welcome to today's episode of the Pipeline ACC Podcast. I am Dan Siegel from ACC Content. I am joined, as always, by Jason Gibbs. Jason, the ACC now we do not have a team inside the top twenty, but we did have a six and zero non conference record this week. So, how are you doing,
0: (laughs) Dan? Lovely as always. I love. You're such a positive lady. I love you putting the shine on that one. It was go. It was well. I mean, look, we went six and zero against the non-conference. Great. We barely have any teams in the top twenty-five. We can talk about that in a little bit. But just just a heads up: if I don't get enough airtime on this podcast, I will quit mid-pod. What do you mean by that? I'll do my best Ohio State impression and quit mid-pod.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, my God. I, I completely missed that. Oh, my God. How – they that – what was the guy's name? He just quit mid-game and then posted on Twitter, F Ohio State, and then later said, uh, thankful for my teammates or something like that. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> like, me is the most – What a story, man. What a college football year. I mean, it was <laughs> – it just, I don't know, you couldn't write this any other way. I mean, it was just an awful look. Now, I I did see some of the replies. Of course, everyone screenshot it because it was going to get deleted. But I did see one of the replies, replies say, Come to Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I really think you should do it. <laughs> oh, wow. It would just be an all time heel move. You know what I mean? That, that would be golden. <laughs>
1: especially if he plays this year in that rivalry game in the
0: in the in the game
1: yes but anyway we, we got so much ACC stuff as always we are going to start with our positives so Jason give us our first pipeline helmet sticker
0: yeah for, for I mean who else to start with but Georgia Tech quarterback Jeff Sims you know didn't play a couple weeks you know was was quarterbacking when they had the terrible loss to, I think it was not Northern Illinois earlier this year. Um, just come back and and really the, the Yellow Jackets hammered UNC and Jeff Sims and his athleticism, big reason for that. The biggest reason. And he ran for 128 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. He was, uh, you know, managing the game, you know, okay. Accuracy. We had worried about his accuracy coming into the, coming into the year but you know he went 10 for 13 which is good you know obviously they were limiting his dropbacks but why bother when you're you know when he's rushing for 12 yards a carry so really great game for for Jeff Sims and that that Jackets team is looking better and better
1: yes definitely they the improvement I think in the front seven may be the story their season just how difficult it was for them to stop the run last year versus how well they've been stopping the run this year. But regarding that quarterback situation, Jeff Sims just, he, I think he looked better throwing the ball and just good enough so that you have to play coverage downfield. And when that happens, he's going to run and beat you with his legs. He's going to be yeah. a, a run first guy. That's who he is. But I think his accuracy, he came into the game, made a couple throws, intermediate throws on target enough to open things up and as far as North Carolina is concerned because of course these positives always turn into negatives when you look at the other side of the story how about Jeremiah Gemmel's comments we thought Yates would be the guy but we didn't prepare really for Sims or other dual threat quarterbacks
0: yeah that's a terrible indictment on the Tar Heels coaching staff and preparing for the game it's not like jeff sims was kicked off the team it, it's not like he wasn't the starter last year in the beginning of this year so to just totally assume that he wasn't going to play or anything yikes that's that was terrible. and you know it really is destroyed UNC's season we talked we've talked about this in the past on our war winning podcast that they really had that hiccup first game against virginia tech that kind of Vaporized their college football playoff chances, this kind of vaporized most of the rest of their season they're just going to be playing for a bowl game now almost impossible for them to somehow sneak into the you know, you know aCC championship game and to hear those comments coming out it's uh, I, if if i'm a Tario fan i'm I'm upset i that just feels like a team that's kind of in disarray a little bit.
1: Especially in the defensive staff. I think they get, they get a lot of blame for that. So just so much for the Tar Heels. I think some, some Tar Heel fans tweeted this, the loss of Virginia Tech ruined their playoff hopes. Now the loss to Georgia Tech ruined their ACC championship hopes. So what do you play for now? Another seven, eight win season. I feel like that's just the entire ACC this year. It's fun because we might have a five and, Five and three, six and two conference championship record. But it's just as if you're just looking at this in a narrow lens from a UNC fan perspective, that's very difficult. But for, for Georgia Tech, we're starting to see what the hype around this program is all about. We could now say it's not just hype. It's not just recruiting. Now they're winning games. They got to do it consistently. But big step for Jeff Collins.
0: Yeah, one comment from our guy, David Hale, who was obviously on the last pod we had. He said, well, good news for North Carolina is there's no more Tech teams on the schedule.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yeah, Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech lost to both of them. 0-2 against the Techs. That's not good. But I'm going to give you my first helmet sticker before we get further on this path. How about the Boston College offensive line? I think it was Al from their center, who said in, in a, in a post game interview, um, he said, I, I'm almost in tears. I am so proud of the way this offensive line performed. This is an offensive line that is regarded as one of the best in the country. They have so many starts under their belt combined among the five of them. They've been together in the program for two, three years, at least some of them even more. So just the way they – I mean, they were probably the main reason they won the game against Missouri, giving Grossell time because he's not Dracovic who can make special things happen. He's just a competent backup quarterback, giving Garwo enough space to run for 175 yards. And by the way, just a little bit of foreshadowing, we are um, doing player guests on future podcasts, future preview podcasts. So keep an eye out for that regarding the Boston College offensive line.
0: Yeah, great game for the Eagles. Beat an SEC team, obviously not a top-tier SEC team, but an under—you uh, know—an an undermanned Eagles team beats an SEC team at home. That's a great win, you know. And to your credit, you you called this preseason. You said Boston College would be the best team or best offensive line in the conference, if not in the country. And that they're really living up to that. For me, it's a little bittersweet. It's a little bittersweet because all I can think of is, man, what if Drakovic hadn't gotten hurt and he was able to, you know, still – they would legitimately be a, a – they could be a threat to a dark horse, you know, college football playoff team. So it's a little bittersweet. But, hey, all you can do is win one week at a time and they're 4-0. So keep keep marching, you know. For sure, and
1: I do think it's bittersweet. I did say in my three takeaways for every team article, which you could find on my Twitter, I'll also link it to the pod. I said, with Jokovic, this team is certainly my conference favorite. Even without him, they are up there, but I think with Jokovic, I don't know if you agree or not. You let me know. I think I would have BC as undoubtedly the ACC favorite right now.
0: Yeah, especially with you know what we've seen you know, out of Clemson this year, and we'll get to that later, but I would agree with Jerkovic, and because they're basically winning these games, you know, Grossell is managing the game, and that is highly underlined. He's just managing the game, so guys like Zay Flowers and Trey Berry, a tight end, they're not really putting up hardly any numbers. With Jerkovic, they would if they had him, and then you know, bring in a guy like Garwo and he's running for 175 and Jakovic's throwing for 300, 400 yards. That would be a great, you know, it'd be, it'd be a, it'd be a great team. But like I said, it is what it is. You can't, you know, what if until we, you know, what if the situation to death, they can only just move forward. So they're four and just try and get a five and next week.
1: Yep, yeah, and next week who will they be doing that against, or trying to that again? Oh, Clemson. Okay, that's gonna <laughs> that'll be fun. All right, but yeah, uh, give me your second helmet sticker.
0: So for my second helmet sticker, I'm gonna go a, a little bit different than what we normally would. I'm gonna give it to Florida State quarterback McKenzie Milton. Now let's let's look at his numbers: 24 for 39, 248 yards, 6.4, averaging a throw one TD, one interception, 11 carries for minus 20 yards rushing. Why is this guy, you know, win the helmet sticker, especially considering Florida State was getting blown out most of the game, but here's why we know what Milton has come from. He literally almost lost his leg and when he was injured at UCF and he's come into Florida state, Florida state does not have a good offensive line and he just gutted it out. You know, he was taking hit. He, he didn't have his physical stamina. He could barely stand up in the fourth quarter and they had the ball with a chance to go in for the potential game tying touchdown. Now they'd have had to convert the two point conversion, but for this guy to come from where he was literally had to learn how to walk again after they saved his leg to trying to wrap Cause they were down 31 to 10 at halftime and, you know, they ended up losing 31-23. It, I just, I just like the gutsy performance. The numbers weren't there. I don't think, especially with this line, they ever will be. But for him to, like, really could barely, you know, had enough stamina to stand up, for him to kind of gut that out, he's getting my, my second helmet sticker of the week. I appreciate you doing that because I think lost in the shuffle of all this Florida state
1: stuff is that great storyline. And the fact that he has gone through so much and is now starting quarterback at the power five level. And people just completely forgot about that storyline just because Florida state's 0 and 4. And I'm glad you gave it a little bit of coverage. Cause that's very necessary in my opinion. And I think the Knowles have to keep rolling with McKenzie Milton. He's been bad, right? But I don't think he's the biggest issue. The offense overall is just a disaster. And I'd like the staff to open things up in the passing game, but I don't even think the offensive line allows for that. So, it's just it's a very bad situation for Florida State. As far as Louisville is concerned, hey, maybe this team isn't so bad after all. I mean, this they lost to Ole Miss week one, right? And right. they had – all these former players and all these people who were passionate about the program kind of sh- chewing out coach Satterfield and everything that's been going on. And now they win three consecutive games and they're three and one. And you look back at the Ole Miss game and now Ole Miss is one of the better teams in the entire country. So Louisville might be on track to be another, well, like the rest of the ACC seven, eight win team, but Hey. They weren't looking like that a couple of weeks ago.
0: Yeah. After week one, you know, w- you and I openly wondered, Hey, did, because we we've documented Sourfield's tumultuous off season where he moonlighted with South Carolina, didn't get the job, had to come back to Louisville and try and pick up the pieces. And it didn't look that way after week one, because they didn't just get beat by Ole Miss. They were soundly routed. So where were we going to go from here? A lot of grumblings online. And, yeah, to their credit, picked up free wins, you know, including against the UCF team, a solid UCF team, now going on the road to Florida State. The final score looked a little closer probably than it, than it actually was, but a win's a win. And, like, just like we said with Boston College, just keep stacking the wins and, and who knows what happens.
1: 100%, yeah. It's, um, you know, the, the this conference is just so up for grabs that it's really hard to count anybody out. Especially, I mean, you can count Florida State out because they're zero and four. But besides that, you just you need to just get yeah. to five six win plateau in the division in order to make the championship and just have a couple of tiebreakers go your way.
0: So yeah, I don't know. I don't remember who tweeted it. I I saw you retweeted it, and I think I liked it on Twitter. But someone said. The, it's pretty pretty safe to say the ACC is a w- women's soccer conference at this point. <laughs> <laughs>
1: hey, they, we could talk about that. They have done extremely well in women's soccer. I'm pretty sure they have five <laughs> of the top seven teams. So, right. <laughs> conference. Great.
0: Who gets your second helmet sticker?
1: Yeah, second helmet sticker is going to go to Duke's quarterback Gunnar Holmberg. Because I think – I don't know if Cutcliffe still got it or Holmberg is just doing really well, but he's had a very underrated season. I think he's been a huge upgrade to Chase Bryce, and I think he really – Kansas scored some points against Duke. He really carried them over the top to a 52-33 victory. Hats off to him. You know He's moving the ball efficiently, throwing downfield, creating with his legs, doing all these things we did not see Chase Bryce do. His stat line this game was 22 for 29, 328 yards, a touchdown and interception, plus 88 yards and four rushing touchdowns. Four. That's a very good fantasy day if anybody had him.
0: (laughs) So. It was last week and not this week because I'm going against him this week. (laughs) Oh. But Gunnar Holmberg,
1: just, I think. He's he's just proving that there's still life in this dude quarterback position. And I don't know if Dave Gettleman's now going to pick him in the top ten of the draft because he's <laughs> playing solid and bad conference. But hats off to him. This is the best quarterback they've had since Daniel Jones, and it's not particularly
0: close. All right, where are we going first?
1: Um, good. All right, Friday night. Yeah, we can. Yeah, let's start Friday night. Wake Forest and Virginia. How about this one? Um, 37-17, another day in which Brendan Armstrong throws for over 400 yards and loses by 20. Wake Forest, honestly, might be the best team in the ACC right now. And Yeah, just
0: like we all predicted to start the year, we had Wake Forest at the top of our ACC power rankings, myself included. And, uh, no, but unfortunately, you know, I – I said this when we were picking games. I picked this game incorrectly. I said I, you know, I felt like it was a, a, a three point game, and then, you know, um, Vegas had had the who's at minus four. And I felt like they were trying to tip their hand, and so I a constant, you know, a, a classic paralysis by analysis type uh, situation. But man, weight looked great. You know, they go into. Virginia I think didn't they say they had beaten them five times in a row now and that had never happened David Hale talked about on the last pod about how Wake really benefited from these super seniors they have them you know all over the field and really hammered Virginia I mean I don't even know if it was actually as close as the 20 point victory I mean Virginia did get nicked up a little bit I know Billy Kemp went out and they had a couple of um injuries there, but I I don't think it was going to matter. Armstrong was pressured all night long and it just wasn't a recipe for success. Hats off to him. He gutted it out, but wake looking good. And and, you know, can they, can they get to eight and O can they, you know, I don't know. This is a, this is a good looking team right now.
1: Like I said, I said before the year, it's very possible. They start eight and O and then finish eight and four. But now their, their last four opponents, North Carolina, NC State, Clemson, and BC, those are all toss-up games to me. So 10-11 wins is very possible. Obviously, we could say that theoretically about any team, but it's not like Wake is that much better than everything, everybody else. So a lot of games will be toss-ups, but their ceiling is moving up and up every week. That's all I'm saying. And props to Justice Ellison. Uh, the other running back in that room, not Christian Beale Smith. Beale Smith is their power guy, but Ellison has burst, ran a big 63 yard touchdown. I really like him. And um, they have a very explosive that's the word explosive offense. And um, Hartman looking good, making throws when he needs to. He's not elite, but he's definitely solid and capable of utilizing the talent around him to the best that they could be.
0: Yeah, especially that running game was you know that that mesh run that they detailed so well on the Friday night broadcast. It did. It, I think I'm not sure which of the analysts said it, but it really does remind you of how kind of Le'Veon Bell ran when he was with the Steelers, just kind of wait, 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 and then bust through the hole that emerges. Virginia had no no uh, no uh, defense against it. It was. They, they wait, really just had their way on the ground. And then once they had their way on the ground, they had their way through the air. So good-looking Deeks team.
1: Good-looking Deeks team. The UVA defense, much more exploitable than their offense is good. That's the way I put it. They have that 3-3-5 system that they've been running that's new to this year. But I think it's just been problematic because the three guys in their defensive line have been getting no penetrations. There's so much room. And their secondary was awful last year. I think their secondary isn't really their problem this year. Their secondary is just not good enough to lock down receivers when the quarterback has 10 seconds to throw.
0: So, right. Although, to be fair, most secondaries aren't. But you're right. You know, lack of penetration ends up meaning a bad secondary by default. Exactly. All
1: right. Where you want to go next? Uh, Pitt, New Hampshire, 77. 2-7. How about Pat Narduzzi running up that score after a bad loss to Western Michigan?
0: Couldn't take, you couldn't take the risk, man. Yes, granted they were up by 10 touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but you can never be too sure. Really need to keep the foot on the gas there. I love the, I don't know if you guys know that fake Mark Whipple account, but he was
1: like, <laughs> it's really a bad beat this week for me. I had hit minus 70, 70 and a half and Man, I wish I would have scored that extra touchdown. <laughs> but, yeah, Kenny Pickett, 403 yards. Other running backs besides Vincent Davis getting stuff done. Mark Wibble should take note, but, yeah. And then um, the other FCS – versus, or there, was, there were three, but the one that's really notable, the only one that is notable, Virginia Tech 21, Richmond 10. I think a lot of people expected Richmond to hang with them. And I thought it would be a blowout, but it's just Virginia Tech did not want to win this game. Richmond also did not want to win this game. And the only reason Virginia Tech ended up winning comfortably is because they're just more talented on the field.
0: Yeah, although, I mean, 21-10, I wouldn't necessarily file in the comfortable category. Braxton Burmeister gets benched. Hokie fans calling for Fuente's job mid-game. I, I just don't know where they go. They're three and one, but I don't think they've looked as good as that record indicates. you know this game could have gone either way. What, what were they like 25 point favorites or 28 point I don't know it was a lot. and you know obviously they didn't come close to covering. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what to make of Virginia Tech. I know they're 3 and0 at home, so they really only played the only away game they've lost that was at West Virginia. I guess it'll be interesting to see once ACC, you know, uh, play opens up for the Hokies because, you know, Burmeister isn't great, but, you know, they don't really have anyone, you know, to, to put, plug in his place. So Henn and Hooker's gone. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Hokie fans are kind of at this point, hoping they do just bad enough to get Fuente fired. <laughs> I have a feeling they might—they're going to go six and six.
1: They might beat UVA, and I—I I, I still think even if they beat UVA this year, flante has gone. David Hale said yeah. Even if somehow he turns around his season and does well, he's going to go somewhere else to a different Power Five school, make a lateral move just because of how toxic it's been inside the program with him. So, yeah. But by the way, I before we get further on this, we so we both had Richmond. Uh, Plus 35 and a half. Very good. Mm. Uh, we both. Cover. Yeah, we did very, very well this week. We kind of done okay. least we one through three, but we equal. We both did very well in our betting. I think we went a total of, we picked every ATC game and three non-ATC games. I think we both went 11 and three. Plus the only reason I was able to tie you now at 35 total points is because NC state, my double digit dog won outright, but. Maybe we get a helmet sticker because. (laughs) Yes.
0: Yes. Finally a helmet sticker for ourselves. Much (laughs) deserved. Yeah. I mean, we've, uh, you know, obviously as the season wears on, you have a little bit bigger, you know, sample set to choose from. And we were able to, you know, uh, pick some winners this week. I wish my double digit dog would have won, but man, you went all in with the NC state Clemson. You, you, you picked NC State, you made them your lock, and then you made them your double-digit favorite, and they ended up rewarding you. Wow, what, what a what a win, finally a signature win for Dave Dorn and staff at, at the, for Wolfpack. And I know there's some partying uh, going on on NC State's campus. For 100%. And uh, so Clemson loses this game. They're
1: now 2-2 two and two on the season, and... They, Jason, you have a little bit of statistics on this. So this brings us to our factoid of the day. Jason, take it, take us away.
0: So Clemson lost to NC state. That's who they lost to. I got, I got called out by our guy light at red for not saying who they actually lost to. Clemson lost to an unranked opponent for the first time in 36 games Meanwhile, Alabama, they beat Southern Miss this weekend, which marked the 100th consecutive time they had beaten an unranked opponent. Just an unreal stat. I know, you know, the last probably five to ten years, it's basically been Clemson and Alabama mostly dominating the sport. But within that domination, Alabama's just a cut above other teams. And, I mean, that – that's just an unreal statistic to never have a letdown because, you know, it's human nature. Hey, we're Alabama. We can mail this one in and it's, a, it's just a credit to Nick Saban and his staff to always have their team up, even for lower tiered games. I'm, I'm using air quotes. I know you can't see me, but I'll add a, a asterisk and a little footnote factoid. How about that? A bonus one. So the AP came out. Clemson fell all the way to number 25. That's a travesty. They should have fallen out, especially with the way they played this year. Hashtag abolish preseason polls. Regardless, it marked the first time in 97 straight weeks that Clemson had not been a top 10 team. They were tied with Alabama, who will keep that streak going because obviously they're still in the top 10. But neither of those were at the, those were both the second longest top 10 streak for a a team in college football history. Number one, Miami from 1985 to 1993, an incredible 137 straight weeks ranked in the top 10. Wow. I still think
1: that this dynasty. Yeah. You, you mentioned it. It's Clemson, Alabama, the last decade plus, but I think it's not a 1A, 1B thing. I think it's Alabama 1, Clemson 2, to be honest. And is this the downfall of the Clemson dynasty? It honestly might be because these this is not just a one-year wonder, one-year fluky kind of thing. These problems have gone on for a couple of years now. The offensive line issues, not being able to run the ball, receivers not being able to run vertical routes. David Hale talked about all of that. There's just no Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne to bail you out. And – you know those are those are both generational college guys not like even a program like Clemson is not just going to churn them out every year so anyway let's go to NC State because we could be negative about Clemson but we got to give the PAC fans some love so there you go you said it Jason Dorian has his signature win PAC fans have been waiting for it the offense not efficient but very impressive given how great Clemson's defense has been and props to Isaiah Moore stepping into the shoes of peyton wilson very nicely as a linebacker um i was a little bit upset that christopher dunn couldn't get it done and kicked the game-winning field goal he's one of the best kickers in the country so i'm a little bit upset about that because i love kickers but college kickers are gonna college kicker if you're not nick skiba you're a college kicker (laughs) you fit the stereotype and you're gonna be unreliable but
0: props yeah i mean um, if if Clemson pulls that off in, in overtime, yikes, uh, it would have been really the sky is falling probably for Wolfpack Nation. Props to Devin Leary. We wondered about him how, we you know, we said before the year, it when he's in there, he's been good and states responded. And when he hasn't, they haven't been that great. But then to kind of start it out the year, really stubbing his toe a few times. But, you know, his player of the week this week, 238 yards, four touchdowns. You know, a couple pods ago, we talked about the what ifs when UNC loses to Virginia Tech. Now we kind of got to apply that to NC State, right? NC State, what if they hadn't stubbed their toe against Mississippi State? They'd be sitting at 4 0. NC State, mind you, the highest ranked ACC team coming in at number 24 this week.
1: Wow. That, that's crazy. Uh, let's see, what are the other two games? So do we I don't think we really touched on Syracuse enough, did we?
0: No, you said we did, but I think you were uh, still inebriated from this past weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, how about that? 24-21 over Liberty, shutting down, or not shutting down, but I'll you containing potentially the number one quarterback prospect in this draft. Defense looks very good. Secondary, we've documented how good they've been the last couple of years. But the defense of front. Cody Roscoe, second consecutive game with three sacks. Six sacks total on Malik Willis. This defense is looking really incredible. And the only thing that makes Syracuse probably still in the bottom half of the conference is because they just don't have any quarterback play whatsoever. But Sean Tucker is incredible. He's incredible enough to carry Syracuse above Liberty, 24 to 21. And how about that?
0: Yeah. I said it. I I felt like every year there's one random Friday night where Syracuse gets a home game and they pull off the upset. And that was my pick last week, which they did. Kind of questionable play calling from Hugh Freeze down the stretch, Liberty's coach. Seems like they should have just kicked the field goal. But I'm with you. As big of a stud as Sean Tucker is, if they could get mediocre quarterback play, they, they could make some noise. I I know our guy John Eads is excited. I know he predicted Syracuse would go bowling this year. He's looking good right now, three and one, two and one at home. Uh, so we'll see. But, man, Sean tuckers <laughs> they were just going to live and die. And and the entire Liberty, everyone in the stadium knew, Liberty coaching staff knew, defense knew that he was going to get the ball and they were going to be running up the middle. But it just even with that, he's just too good of a player for them to stop. And so he literally carried the team on his back. But really, hats off to the Orange, sitting at 3-1. Have to feel good about themselves because, you know, Liberty's probably not a little bit – they're not as good as they were last year. But last year they thumped Syracuse. I think they won by 17. So really good job for Dino Babers and company. And, hey, like like we've been saying, the theme of this pod, man, just keep stacking the victories and see where, you know, the cards fall
1: This is such a fun ACC. I know it's bad, but it's so fun. I love covering this conference for real. Who's Syracuse? Syracuse is actually underdogs next week against Florida State by four and a half points. That's something we'll discuss. But what else? Do we have all the ACC game? Oh, Miami, a nice 69 to nothing victory over Central Connecticut State. The only reason I really want to spend any time on this is because De'Ara King might be out for a while. And we saw – our right, it's Central Connecticut State. We saw two quarterbacks, the two freshman rookie quarterbacks that we talked about a little bit in the offseason, Tyler Van Dyke and Jake Garcia, both putting up very efficient numbers, obviously, Van Dyke, 10 for 11, 270, three touchdowns, Garcia 11 for 14, 147, and two touchdowns. So I am – the only thing I could get out of this DR King news that is – I guess a little bit, I don't want to say positive, but at least like looking at the bright side is that at least we get to see two very talented young quarterbacks battle it out. And that'll be some excitement in the Miami
0: program. Yeah. I mean, it, it will be, I probably lowers our ceiling a little bit just because of the inexperience. I don't know if you saw this. I tweeted it out. I can't remember who posted it. It was a hurricanes account. But I don't know if you saw Kirk Herbstreet's commentary on Miami on game day, and he really went scorched earth. You know, he was talking about how basically the administration and the AD and the coach, none of them are on the same page. The administration basically said, if the reports are true, basically said, athletics are on their own. It's not a priority for us. And. I can't imagine, you know, with, with such a rich tradition like Miami has and great players like Warren Sapp and Ed Reed and a, a plethora of others, them hearing that, that cannot sit well with them. And, you know, Herb Street mentioned how the stadium, now the stadium isn't on campus anymore. And it's, you gotta drive 45 minutes from the campus to the stadium. And, and who wants to do that if you're a student? And I don't know. I, even though they, they came away with a nice victory, it just seemed bleak. And we've talked about is Manny Diaz on the hot seat or whatever. I don't know. I just had, after seeing that, it, like I said, if the reports are true, it just made me feel like maybe there are darker days ahead for Miami.
1: Is Miami in a worse spot over the next 10 years than Florida State? Are you gonna, are you, would you take it
0: that far? If these reports are true, yes, I would say so. Because, you know, at least Florida State, you know, we saw Florida State week one against Notre Dame. I mean, that stadium was packed and that stadium was rocking. And, you know, right now, Mike Norvell still has a top 10 recruiting class. It's going to take him a few years to kind of undo some of the stuff that was done. But, you know, if Purdy can... You know develop as a quarterback, and there might be some some brighter days ahead. I just don't know. remember. Derek King was a transfer, so I, Manny Diaz has really leveraged the transfer portal to his advantage. I don't know if that's a strategy that you can bank on forever.
1: Mm-hmm. And speaking of Purdy, we have uh the other Purdy in Iowa State who have really disappointed their two and two this year. That's kind of a theme for. Potential like pre- preseason top teams—they've all just really it, it, the top ten looks completely different than when the year started. We have Arkansas in the top ten. We have we have a one loss. I mean, yeah, we have a one loss Florida and one loss Ohio State in the top eleven. We have Iowa in the top five, Oregon in the top. Like this looks completely different. And I know this obviously at this point has nothing to do with the ACC, but the college football playoffs. Even Alabama looks a little bit exploitable. It's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be fun. I mean, Ole Miss at Alabama this week. We'll see. I don't know if you've looked. What do you think that line is? (laughs) I've seen it. (laughs) That was. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of surprising. I mean, people are already talking up Ole Miss, and then they come out and they're almost three touchdown underdogs. So, I don't know how vulnerable. People love to talk about vulnerability, but I think that's almost wishful thinking when it comes to Alabama.
1: Yeah, that line is definitely – I don't want to say questionable because I know what David Hale said on the last episode. Like, when a line seems way off, it means you're missing something. It doesn't mean go bet the house and Ole Miss. So, there's that. Right. but
0: uh-huh. It'll be interesting to watch the public money because there's nothing worse than a public underdog. That's really uh, – that's I, I avoid those at all costs.
1: And then, um, oh, by the way, we still have our, we're going to go a little bit of group of five action here, but we have a team that is particularly down bad. They ask you how you are. You just have to say that you're fine when you're not really fine, but you just can't get into it because they would never understand. So down bad this week is going to go to the Buffalo, or I'm sorry, going to go to the Old Dominion Monarchs, who trailed 35-7 to against Buffalo. Came all the way back to score a touchdown and make it 35 to 34, but then get an, gets an excessive celebration penalty, misses the extra point, fails to send it to overtime, loses 35 to 34. And <laughs> the monarchs fail to get, I mean, a, a nice win over a Mac team. They've been very bad the last couple of years. Ever since being Virginia Tech, they've basically been irrelevant. So man, that would have been a nice win for them.
0: Straight yeah. out of the Ole Miss playbook, talking about Ole yep.
1: Miss. Yep, yep. I was just thinking that and Elijah Moore. Yep, <laughs> that that reminded me of that. But anything, anyway. Uh, anything else? What happened this week
0: before we? Yeah, I think uh, I think the only th- you know Brian Brissy out for the season with a torn ACL. That's terrible news for that that Clemson defense. Will Shipley, running back, going to miss I think uh, four weeks or so. So. <laughs> Clemson's vulnerable I you know I didn't think they should have been ranked in the top 25 I think you know they haven't really proven that they belong at this point these injuries are going to be tough maybe you know maybe um, Boston College can pick up a, a miracle victory this week I think it's in in Clemson so I'm sure the Tigers will be favored but I, yeah I mean just some tough injuries. Uh, to go along with the subpar play so far. Tigers are 14 and a half point favorites, which
1: is interesting. And we will break it down with potentially player guests on our next episode, the preview of the uh, week five slate. So please, you know, continue to interact with us, subscribe to our podcast, give us a five-star view. If you like what you heard, give us a one-star view if for whatever reason you don't like what you've heard. And you're still listening to it at. Don't encourage that. (laughs) If you're still listening to it at the 40 second mark, 40 second minute mark, and you dislike it, yes, give us a one star review, give us your feedback. But with that being said, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Pipeline ACC podcast.